It's Bet to Win on a Thursday here at Blue Wire Studios inside the Win Las Vegas. I'm your host, Joe Finn. Appreciate you joining me as always. Great show for you here on this fine Thursday. My guy, Nick Day, is on to preview UFC 277 as we continue our trip around the NFL divisional previews in terms of the futures market. We're going to look at the AFC East here today. Maybe not the most intriguing division, but potentially some value in the latter half if you believe in potentially the Dolphins or a Jets win total over, question mark. Uh, before we get to Nick, a victory lap, I get to take a parlay, a three-to-one parlay that we hit. Plus 298 on Monday, the Braves' first five money line against the Phillies. Spencer Strider was light out as we expected. The Padres' first five minus a half against the Tigers, both stress-free winners. And we love a stress-free winner. You know what's crazy about that Padres game is they lost full game as Taylor Rogers. He actually blew saves in back-to-back games on Tuesday and Wednesday. Bob Melvin threw him out both nights, and he blew saves to the Tigers. But it doesn't matter for us. We're winners in the first five. Uh, San Diego is up 3-0 after five. Atlanta up 5-0 after five. Not often you get a plus 298 stress-free winner. Got another winning pick that we'll finish up the show with. Let's not waste any more time, though. He's on the line. It's my guy, Nick Dayus. Follow him on Twitter at Nick Dayus 10 Listen to his podcast. It's the Veterans Minimum Podcast on Blue Wires Podcast Network. Nick, what's up, brother? How we doing, man? Have you recovered from the uh, the bachelor party? I know we talked to you last week, but I didn't get to get a chance to, to bring it up. I forgot to, but you had the bachelor party in Scottsdale. You still recovering? Because those weekends can take some time to, to bounce back from. Strangely enough, Joe, physically... I think it's the most relaxed I've ever been coming back from a bachelor party. This is the fourth one that I've gone to. Arizona was a good time. Financially, though, might need to hit some parlays this weekend, man, because it was more expensive than I expected it to be out there. Anytime you try to roll into a bar or a club and you're rolling with all dudes and you've got a 100% ratio of men, you're paying for it at the door. You're just without a doubt. That's the that's the case in Las Vegas. That's the case in Scottsdale. And every guy who's been to one of those two spots knows how that goes. Uh, no yep. deals to be found for us, and that's okay. Good news is we're gonna get some winners here at the end of the show, Nick. Before we get to UFC 277, I want to run through the AFC East uh, and preview that division mm. and see if. Maybe there's any value to be had outside of the Bills. Here are just what the lines are. Win totals, 11.5 for Buffalo, 8.5 for Miami, 8.5 for New England, and the Jets at 5.5. Uh, the odds to win the AFC East, the Bills at minus 230, uh, and then the uh, Dolphins and Patriots both at plus 425, the Jets at 20 to 1, and the odds to win the AFC at large. Bills, of course, uh, one of the favorites in the conference at 3 to 1, Dolphins at 12, Patriots at 20, Jets at 60. The odds to win the Super Bowl, Bills at 650, Dolphins 25, Patriots 40, Jets 100 to 1. We can run through some of the transactions for each team and the moves made during the offseason. I do find it interesting that to win the division, the Dolphins and Patriots have even odds at plus 425, but the Dolphins much more heavily favored to have a chance to win the AFC or win the Super Bowl. What do you make of this division that has been dominated by the Bills of late as Josh Allen has transcended into one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL? Yeah, it's a division in which it seems like everyone with, I guess, pending what happens with Tua this year, Joe, seems to be happy with the guy that they have. Obviously, Buffalo with Josh Allen, Mac Jones is like the prototype 
quarterback that New England would want. And uh, it might be the Jets bias of a lot of my Jet bias, uh, my friends that are Jets fans, their bias. And But the New York media also is behind Zach Wilson. They're giving him a chance, the second year leap that a quarterback makes. So Tua is the one where the jury's still out on, but they've, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it in a second. They've made so many moves where, you know, this is your last chance here in Miami. So I'm actually a little bit more excited, not from a betting perspective about this division, but I, I think it's a pretty interesting division this year. Yeah, let's go through what some of the teams did during the offseason. The Bills, big splash, giving Von Miller a five-year, $130 million contract despite being at 33 years of age. He showed last year for the Rams as a hired gun, helping them win a Super Bowl, that he's still plenty effective. Um, also bring in Pro Bowl offensive guard Roger Saffold from the Titans. They bring in Jamison Crowder from the Jets, O.J. Howard from the Bucks, uh, and then move on from Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. For me, you look at the Bills, I think every fantasy player is looking at this. as They saw Gabe Davis catch four touchdowns against the Chiefs uh, in the uh, AFC divisional round. Can he, is, is he the dude that is going to be a legit 1A to Stephon Diggs. From a fantasy standpoint, there's the intrigue there with the Bills. The Dolphins, mm. what can Mike McDaniel get out of Tua Tagovailoa? Uh, they obviously bring in Tyreek Hill, big trade with the Chiefs. Uh, Tyreek Hill goes ahead and says he is the, the most accurate quarterback in the NFL, which is something I don't think anyone believes. <sighs> but credit to him for trying to bump pump up his quarterback. Um but a huge year for Tua, as you mentioned. Patriots lose Josh McDaniels um, in sort of just a curious year for or offseason for them where I'm not totally sure where they got better. Um, they lose J.C. Jackson. They lose some piece in the offensive line. Uh, the draft was questionable. They're taking uh, players who weren't even on the boards uh, in the first and second rounds of most draft experts. And the Jets, uh, Robert Sala bringing in some familiar faces uh, DJ Reed Jr. from Seattle, uh, formerly with the Niners, with Robert Sala. Uh, but they had a really nice draft. Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson. Um, I like what they did there, but can they get to the five and a half win threshold to, to justify betting the over? Um, so, yeah, you mentioned it's it's less about who's going to win the division, I think, and and what team sort of emerges because I don't know if the Patriots did much to help Mac Jones this off season. And I don't, the dolphins couldn't have done more to try to give two mm. of the best chance to succeed. Yeah. I want to go back to Buffalo though, because they're, they're fascinating to me. I think if you're the Buffalo bills this year, you need to be the one seed in the AFC. What you saw happen last year, despite the chiefs then dropping the game in the AFC title game, Joe, I think 10, 15 years from now, we're going to get uh, 30 for 30 on that game. Like that was one of the strangest second halves I think I've ever seen for a guy like Mahomes too. I was trying to defend him with my buddies when I was watching that game. Like dude is concussed. He has to be concussed. Like there's no justifying some of these decisions he made. But I think if you're a Buffalo man, you really wanted to go through Bill's mafia in Buffalo and the weather up there. I went to school up there, Joe, for two years. And it's not a fun time in January. It sucks up there. <laughs> so if you're a team like the Chargers or a team like Denver or, uh, you know, uh, a Vegas Raiders and you got to go to Buffalo, and you can be cold. You're not going to like playing there. So I think Buffalo is very important for them to go for the one seed. 
Uh, they're the Super Bowl favorite. Now they have the expectations, right? It's no more, we're happy to be here. The last couple of years, you've made strides. You've won 12 plus games. You've made it to an AFC title game. You're, you said like Von Miller, which it, it seems like it's one of those deals where year one and two, you're going to like it. But then year three, four and five, you might look for a way out, maybe cut them or something. I think one of my favorite moves in all of football this year, super under the radar, Jamison Crowder going there to replace Cole Beasley. This guy has had crap at quarterback his whole career, and now he's playing with Josh Allen. And you have Gabe Davis on one end. You got Stephon Diggs on the other end. The rookie that they took out of, uh, out of Georgia, Dalvin Cook's younger brother, James Cook. I love him for rookie of the year. You find them at around 12 to 1 in some places. He was as high, Joe, as 60 to 1 after the draft. But then all the momentum and all the attention and how well he was doing in camp. And then you're looking at this offense. If this guy could score double digit touchdowns, there's, there's like a path for him. So now he's one of the favorites to be rookie of the year. Uh, they're going to get also Tredavious White back, which I think was a massive loss for them when they lost to. They lost him in that Saints game. I believe it was on Thanksgiving. But this team is stacked, dude. They, I don't see any weaknesses for them. Maybe they're like linebackers, but they rotate the defensive line. And now with Von Miller there too, I think this is the team to beat in the AFC. And the odds say that as well. Yeah, and I agree with you. I also agree with the expectations and the pressure. I mean, I think every Bills fan is going to remember 13 seconds you know, all yeah. it would have taken to to put the Chiefs away, that epic comeback. And like you mentioned, one of the most bizarre <clears throat> but epic games we've seen in, in quite some time. That stings, and it's going to sting until it doesn't. And then that means making it to a Super Bowl and getting out of the AFC finally. Yeah, and I also, I, I think that's a real thing, man, with the expectations. You know, like you'll hear some people say, ah, it's they're professional athletes and that shouldn't bother them. But it's like, well, not so fast now. Now you everybody's picking you to win the Super Bowl. I think the Bills have garnered the most action across a lot of sports books to win it. So now you're no longer a dark horse. You're the team that everyone is picking and they're anointing you as the favorite. And when everyone's on it, I, I personally, Joe, you know how I am, man. I never pick the favorite. I've never bet the preseason favorite for anything. I try to find some value, whether it's an MVP, a rushing leader, whatever it is, just because over time, it's very hard for the favorite to go on and win it. And now with the expectations with Buffalo, I'm a little worried about that just a bit, just a bit. But I think, what team do you like in this division other than Buffalo to give them like a run for their money? I don't know if anyone's giving Buffalo a run for their money, but I sort of like Dolphins over eight and a half. And it yeah. might just be me believing too much in Mike McDaniel. But they've done everything they could to be as all in as possible. And I think I've seen enough from Tua to believe he can at least be a game manager. I don't know if it's always going to be pretty, but I think they're going to win some games they shouldn't. I think they're going to be able to at least give the Bills a game at least once. I don't know if they mm. steal one, but they don't have to steal one against the <clears throat> Bills to, to get to nine wins. The problem is the AFC is just so deep and there's just not a lot of easy wins right. to be had in that conference. But I, I'm trying to sell myself on the Dolphins being, I'd probably try to look for a prop of like Dolphins to make the playoffs if I could find it. Um, but right now I, like, I look at I this. I like where your head's at. 
Yeah. I like where your head's at with them to make the playoffs. I would prefer that over them winning the division. I think the only way anyone could win this division is if Josh Allen goes Agreed. down. Um, besides that, like they, they should have the division wrapped up probably by early December. I, I really think Buffalo is going to be that good, especially being mo- motivated from the playoff loss. Um, I like the win total for, for the Dolphins to go over. I like McDaniel coming over. You know, they've done so much to at least, there's no more excuses for Tua. That's how I look what they did this offseason. I really like Cedric Wilson coming over from Dallas. Anytime this dude would start for a CD Lamb or Amari Cooper, you'd look at the box score, you're like, holy hell, he had three catches for 120 yards and a touchdown. You're like, how'd this happen? They bring in Armstead too to help uh, improve that offensive line. That was a big issue for them. And they have all these running backs at their disposal. Mostert coming over from San Fran. He's familiar with that system. Chase Edmonds, who I'm a big fan of. He's a guy who I feel like he he's great. Him and Mostert are great when they're not the main guy. So them two splitting is pretty fascinating to me. And I think they have one of the best secondaries in the league. So everyone loves the Tyreek Hill addition, and rightfully so. He's one of the five to eight best wide receivers in the league. But I think this is just a all right, Tua, you can't you can't go on a podcast after the season and be like, they didn't give me no help, you know? Yeah. It's it's everything is here for you. So it's a big year for Tua, man. And I really think uh I was looking at his MVP odds, and it was like at a hundred to one at one point, and now it's like in the forties. I'm like, nah, I don't like it now. At that point, it's like at a hundred to one to throw like 20 bucks on it, I- I'm down, but when you start creeping into that, it's like, nah, I'd rather just take a pass there. We talk a lot about what Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown could look like in Philly, but Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill in Miami could be super scary. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And they got the tight end. Just having this. Yeah, Mike Gesicki, they extended. They obviously extended Xavier yep. Howard, as you mentioned, a great secondary there. I, I am... Unless Mike McDaniel is just in over his head, which I don't expect him to be because I think he hired well enough around him to where he can just be the offensive guru that he's, that he's built to be. Um, you were just having this conversation. I've sold myself on really whatever I can find on the Dolphins in terms of making the playoffs, which around shops in Vegas, you can find at plus 140 over the over, the over eight and a half wins. Um, I love that. You, you Together, uh, I sold myself and we sold... Uh, each other on on the Dolphins. I love it. Uh, let's get to UFC 277 live from American Airlines Center in Dallas. Uh, it's a big card. It's been a big month. Started with Fight Week here in Vegas. They've gone to London. And now back, they're in Dallas. Uh, just give me the, the card eval, your excitement level, as we've had a busy month of UFC. Um, how does this card uh, with the main event of Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunez stack up to what we've seen throughout the, not just this month, but the last couple pay-per-views? I think what's interesting about this card, Joe, is that there are a lot of fun fighters on it that are not household names, mm-hmm. right? Like in the past, we've mentioned, yo, dude, this is a stack card and, you know, so-and-so is opening up the prelims, but he's a big name that even you're familiar with and you just recently got into the UFC. But this one is like, you're going to see guys that are super exciting, put on great performances and like... The casuals have no idea who they are. And and I like cards like that, um, especially when it's a pay-per-view card. Lately, they've been giving out bonuses uh, to all people that get finishes. Usually, they'll pick like two to three knockouts and a performance bonus. 
Now it's like, all right, if we get seven knockouts, L, everybody's getting paid when it's in a pay-per-view. And you have some fan favorites. Derek Lewis is fighting again. He's notorious for all these crazy post-fight interviews when he wins. And then you got two title fights and, and one in particular that a lot of people are excited about because it's, uh, it's a rematch in which we thought the champion who lost her belt was so untouchable. Yeah, she was. And let's get to it. Um, the, uh, it's a rematch from what happened in December. Amanda Nunez was a minus 850 favorite. Uh, and Pena won by submission in round two. Monster upset. Uh, Nunez is once again the favorite, but but obviously as mu- at much much smaller odds, minus two seventy five with the champ Juliana Pena at plus two twenty. Can lightning strike twice, or is Nunez going to be back to reclaim her title? Man, this is so. It's I'm having a hard time deciding what it might be because so if we could go back to December, right, going into this fight. Juliana Pena was the only woman on the roster that was like, can I fight her? Like everyone is ducking and is avoiding her, but she's like, hello, I'm here. Why, why is Dana saying no one wants to fight Nunez? Like I'm right here. I've been asking for this fight since I think it was UFC 200. I'm pretty sure both of them were on the same card. She's like, yo, I want to fight Nunez. I want to fight Nunez. She had some injury history and then she got what she wanted. And she ends up submitting her in the second round. Now, I, anytime there's a rematch show, a cool thing that I like telling people to do is go back and watch that fight the week of the, the rematch, right? And I rewatched that uh, two nights ago. And in the first round, it looked like Nunez was going to cruise to another pretty dominant victory. Uh, there was nothing in that first round that showed you Juliana Peng had a chance. What happens in the second round is mind-blowing because it seemed like Nunez had nothing left in the gas tank. And then reports came on after that she didn't take this camp serious. She was looking past Juliana. Now, is that coach speak? Is that gamesmanship? We'll never know. But we'll find out with this fight, which is what makes it so interesting because now I think one of two things is going to happen. Pena, there's people that still doubt the win for Pena that Nunez didn't take her seriously. Or it's going to be like Nunez, it was just a, a, a bump on the road for her and she got her title back. What do you think happens? Are you giving Pena a shot? You think yeah, it'll be a I good fight? I think you have to. Yeah, I think so. I, this feels like a decision to me. This feels like it's going to go the distance. So I'm looking at a lot of, uh, I know there was one prop I saw that the fight to go the distance is plus 210. So I'm also leaning to the over in this fight. Uh, it's too far. Nunez in the past has had a lot of... She would play with her food, right? Like that was a big talking point in Nunez fights. And uh, I'll never forget when I was doing the show with Will Blackman, we had George St. Pierre on the pod. And it was right before this fight. And he said something really interesting because we set up the question to George like, oh, it's not if she's going to win, it's how. He's like, guys, be careful. It's, it's when you're on top of the mountain that you start to get complacent. You, you're not going for the third workout of the day because you're done. You're the champ. And it was amazing hearing it from him, Joe, because one of the biggest upsets in UFC history, George St. Pierre was on the wrong side of it when he lost to Matt Serra as a 9-1 to underdog. And it was the same scenario. Everyone's telling him, 
ah, you're going to beat Sarah, no problem. And then he gets knocked out. And then the same thing happens to Nunez. So I think if you're, if you expected Nunez to win that first fight, you're probably foaming at the mouth at minus 275. And if you thought Pena was going to win that last fight, now at plus 220, it's a significant like decrease in the odds. I'm expecting this to go five rounds. I would probably bet it, you know, Nunez to win a decision or Pena to win a decision. You get some juicier odds there. But there's something inside me that thinks that we're going to see a trilogy here with them too. So I think Nunez wins on Saturday. Unless, Joe, we come back next week, man, and we're just like, all right, the, it, the, it's over for Nunez. Like, she's on to the second part of her life. She's a mother now. You know, so it's like she's not the same, the lioness, which is her nickname. Okay. I love it. Uh, hopefully, it's a good fight. Uh, I, I think you're right. I, would, I think I'd probably... Seemed to me like it's a it's a beautiful start to a parlay card to take Nunez at minus two seventy five. Uh, let's get to the co-main in the flyweight division over on the men's side. An interim title bout with Brandon Moreno as a minus two fifteen favorite against Kai Kara France at plus one seventy five. Moreno lost his most recent fight. It was a title fight. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Against the champ uh, Davison uh, Figueredo, who is now out due to injury. Um, tell mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong on any of this, but but now it's these two going at it for the interim title. Who I would imagine uh, Figueredo would get the chance to to face when he's when he's back ready to go. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. So they were actually setting up a fourth fight between Figueredo and Moreno, and then uh, the champ Figueredo pulled out because of an injury, and then Kai Kara France. His last two wins were over Cody Garbrandt, and then. Askar Askarov, who was like the the uncrowned champ of the 125 division, and he beat him uh, rather not convincingly. It was a split decision, but he was like the next guy in line that they were grooming to be a champion. So then Kara France steps in now, and we have a. It's going to be a fun fight. Anytime the the lighter weight classes, they have uh, they keep higher paces. Um, it's a lot more exciting. A lot of knockdowns, not as many knockouts at the lighter weight classes, but it's going to be a fun fight. And this is also a rematch as well. They fought once before. Moreno won a decision, I believe it was. But Kai Kara France, he comes from the same camp as Volkanovski, who's the champion at 145, and uh, Israel Adesanya at 185, City Kickboxing. They've become a huge powerhouse camp out in uh, in, in New Zealand. So it's, uh, it's going to be a tough test for Moreno, who... He's the big favorite, but I'm kind of leaning towards the dog here. I do like Kai Kara France right now. He's riding the momentum of the camp. The two camp his campmates have just had some big wins in recent weeks, and I think I'm leaning towards the plus 175 for for Kara France. That fight was back at UFC 245. Usman Covington, December 14th, 2019. Moreno won via unanimous decision. Uh, what's it? Mm. Is there any sort of this is just kind of a general UFC question. Is there any sort of stigma when you win an interim title without beating the champ? Hmm. Yeah, there is. You're you're you do get a belt. You can call yourself a champion, but there's always like you're not the undisputed champion. Uh, it's happened many times in the past. Most famously, it was like the 155 division when Habib 
was the the interim champ and then also Tony Ferguson. They were trying to make this fight so many times and then it just wouldn't happen. So there is that. Yeah, eventually there's going to be a unification. And, you know, like right now in the 155, there's no champion, but everyone knows it's Charles Oliveira. He just doesn't have the title. It's still vacated. So that's it's, because it's he didn't make be on weight, the line. right? He didn't make the yeah, weight, right. right? But it, it there is there's a lot of truth to that, Joe. Where it, it it's going to happen in the heavyweight division too, right? Francis Ngannou, he's hurt, and if it's Stipe and John Jones, I'm pretty sure they haven't announced it yet. But we've talked about how it's heavily rumored. That's going to be for the interim, and then when you get the interim, you're basically the number one contender. You just have the belt that's vacated for the time being because the guy can't defend it. Got it. Uh, let's move on to a couple other fights on the card. Heavyweight Sergey Pavlovich at minus 130, a favorite against Derek Lewis, looking to avoid a second straight loss. He's at plus 110, uh, about as even odds as, as you'll find certainly on this card, but most UFC cards. Um, how have you handicapped this one? And, and I think anytime you see heavyweights, you think, you know, you're one punch away from, from ending the night on whoever your opponent is. Uh, certainly Derek Lewis has that reputation. Um, but he's the underdog here. Do you give him value or, or are you like Pavlovich? You're the favorite. Yeah, Pavlovich is going to have such a massive height, reach, and just size advantage over him. Derek Lewis, he'll always be known as the guy that has a puncher's chance, even if he's you know down uh, 20 to 16 going into the third round and he's just been 10 aided the first two rounds. You, you still can't count Derek Lewis out. But I think this is a fascinating heavyweight matchup because it's two guys that pack a lot of power, Joe. But, you know, if if it gets out of the first round, it could be a very ugly, sloppy decision-based fight. Um, I do like the under minus one and a half at minus 155. That will probably be my preferred play because it's heavyweight, right? It doesn't take much. You don't even need to connect clean when you're at that weight class. Like in the lower weight classes, you really need to get someone on the chin, on the button, hit them flush in order to put them away. But here, it's like it could just graze you. It doesn't need much because there's so much power behind it. So I would probably lean towards the under one and a half. Probably my favorite bet in this fight. Because like you said, it's a coin flip pretty much. You know, It's minus 130 plus 110 coming back on Lewis. That's probably how I'm approaching this one. And then a big night for the flyweights. Uh, Alexandre uh, Patoya, Patoha? Pantoja? Pantoja. Pantoja. Okay, I didn't know if it was a silent J. Uh, Pantoja against Alex Perez. Pantoja, minus 195 favorite against Perez at plus 160. Uh, what a fight that makes out to be kind of a positioning in the weight class for, you know, when the champ comes back. Um, but uh, a fight that's, that's, you know, well-regarded all the same. Yeah, I think I, the way I see it and, and the way they've booked this is probably... Not probably. Definitely the winner of the Moreno France, Cara France fight is going to fight Figueredo whenever he's healthy. And then I think the winner of this fight is the number one contender. So well, the guy after the title gets unified. So this is, is going to be another one. Again, the, the flyweights, many years back, Joe, there was a, they were going to cut the flyweight division. They, it just wasn't drawing money. Demetrius Johnson, in many people's opinion, is one of the greatest UFC fighters of all time, but no one was watching him. He would defend his belts on like fight nights in Columbus or in Jacksonville. You know, he would never headline a pay-per-view just because there was always the stigma of the lighter weight classes not putting on a show. And then Henry Cejudo came around 
and he became very cringe with his promos. He became very annoying, but he also saved the the flyweights. And now it's one of the more exciting divisions. Once again, you have a lot of fun fighters in it and you have a fan favorite in Brandon Moreno who's on this card. And then now you have two flyweight fights on the main card. So it's a little backstory as how this division went from, ah, we're going to get rid of it entirely to now you have two of the five fights on this main card is going to be featuring flyweights. Alex Perez, his last fight, I'm pretty sure was against uh, Figueredo because um, I know he's had some injury concerns. He's pulled out of a lot of fights. And then Pantoja has a win over Figueredo and Moreno, who are the last two champions as well. But then he'll have hiccups against other guys. So this is going to be a fun fight. And uh, it's a title shot eliminator. Whoever wins this fight is, is probably going to be next in line for a title shot, if not a fight away from it. I like Pantoja, though, in this one. He's he's more active recently. Alex Perez dealing with a couple of uh, injuries in the last couple of years. So I'm leaning towards Pantoja at minus 195 here for a play. Is there anything you want to cover in the prelims before we move on? The prelims, yeah. There's one fight that uh, the line is just really wacky to me. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to gather more information. I'm not really sure, but it's the first fight of the night. This guy's name is Blood Diamond. He's uh, the main training partner for... Great movie. Yeah, great movie. <laughs> uh, he's uh, Mike Mathena is his name, but he goes by Blood Diamond, even on the WinBet app. He's fighting a guy, uh, Orion Koski. Very okay, whatever kind of fighter, but Blood Diamond's the main training partner for Israel Adesanya. And he's also from City Kickboxing. His debut fight, he got caught early and submitted in the first round. But there was a lot of backstory to how emotional he was uh, in preparing for that fight. You know, he was a guy who never thought he would make it to the UFC. And then he makes it on the big show. And He's plus 155. I think I'm leaning towards him as one of the, the dogs that I'm really fascinated by this week because the guy that he's fighting, I don't think should be a minus 185 favorite. Blood Diamond, underdog to start the night. I love it. Uh, real quick, promo before we get to our winning picks. New WinBet users can receive $200 in free bets after you make your first qualifying deposit and place your first bet on WinBet. Once that bet is settled, you will receive four installments of $50 free bets. Go to winbet.com or download the WinBet app for official rules and details. Winning pick time. It's the final winning pick of July. Is that right? Let me look at my calendar. 30 days has September, April, June, and November. The 31 days, huh? There are, but still Monday is August 1st. So uh, in fact, this is the final winning pick. Uh, I'm guaranteed profit four and three plus 2.5 units for the month of July helped by the, gosh, talking to my producer, Jeremiah, for the show. If only Julio Rodriguez would have won the home run derby, it would be up like 12 units. Uh, that's neither here nor there. I'm not bitter about it at all. I've moved forward with my life. Uh, and I'm going to get a winner here on the diamond. I'm going Guardians money line minus 112 at the Red Sox. The Boston Red Sox are in an absolute tailspin right now. And the Guardians are uh, fighting not just in the AL Central, but in the AL wildcard picture. Tristan McKenzie has been absolutely sensational of late. In July, 26.2 or 26 and two-thirds innings pitched, just one earned run. Meanwhile, the Red Sox are 25th in WRC+. Plus. That's weighted runs created against right-handed pitching in July. Meanwhile, the Guardians are 7th in weighted runs created uh, against righties in July. Give me the Guardians at minus 112. Straight bet, no parlay for this one. 
I like Cleveland against Boston on Thursday evening. Tossing the ball back to Nick Dayus. I want your best bet, whether it's just one pick, one fight, or if you've got the parlay, the perfect parlay cooked for us here on Bet to Win as your winning pick of UFC 277. Yeah, like I was telling you before, I think my favorite my favorite bet might be Nunez and Pena to go five rounds. You can find that at plus one eighty eight on win bet. Uh, just something about it. I think I think Nunez is going to be more conservative, try to save her energy, and I think Pena is going to try to just score points, get ahead, and try to not put herself in a firefight. You know, she was also getting pieced up in that first round. And even on the feet in the second round until Nunez just fatigued. So I think plus 188 for the fight to go the distance is, is my favorite bet for this card. And then I got a four fight, uh, four fight. Damn right you do. Let's go. Damn right you do. 19 to one, Joe. You know how I get down. That is juicy. Let's go Cara France. Cara France to win outright plus 175 under minus one and a half. Derek Lewis and Plavovich, uh, uh, Pavlovich, Pantoja minus one eighty five, and let's throw in Nunez plus one eighty eight to go the distance, plus nineteen oh four odds. That hits. We're celebrating on oh. Monday, sir. I love it. Where are you watching the yes, fight? We are. Uh, I'm going to a friend's house for his birthday this weekend. We're doing like a barbecue. Got a nice pool. Should be nice weather. So we'll do a barbecue, hang out by the pool, crush a lot of IPAs, and then punt our money away as we're watching these fights. You know how we get down. I love it. And we're going to cash 19 to 1 on Nick's four-leg parlay of the weekend. Nick, always a pleasure, man. Thanks so much. Joe, you're the man. Good luck this weekend. Enjoy yourself. And 19 to 1, baby. Hey, good luck to Nick with the 19 to 1. I'm going to tail that. Also, uh, I haven't talked about my Mariners yet. Big series, four games set against the Astros this weekend. So good vibes in Houston for my Seattle Mariners. That'll do it for us here. Appreciate Nick for coming on. We'll talk to him again next week as we roll on. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you Monday right here on Bet to Win.